everybody. I'm Nick Grug with the Denver Post. You're listening to the First in Orange podcast here with Cameron Wolf, also of the Denver Post's special bi-week edition of the First in Orange podcast here from Dove Valley. Uh, we have awards to give out for the first <laughs> 10 games, whatever. I guess. Well, you, we, we can call this a halfway point. It's not really halfway. Uh, we have some... Uh, we'll, we'll go through some awards. The biggest thing standing in the way of the Broncos... And the Super Bowl, um, but first uh, let's do some news real fast here, Cameron. Um, Paxton Lynch took all of the snaps at practice today. Uh, talk, help me to talk me away from. We've already talked about this, but let's mm-hmm. pretend like we didn't. Talk me away from thinking that that's a big deal. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, it's the the most common question I get every week in my yeah. Twitter mentions and my emails. Uh, why are we playing Paxton Lynch? And I understand. Trust me, the quarterback is the most over-scrutinized position in, um, in, the, in sports, period. Um, and I think that you look at the, the Broncos' quarterback situation, their offense as a whole, and it hasn't been um, even league average. It's been below league average, if we're being honest. Um, and you always seek improvement. And the, the favorite player on a uh, struggling offense is the backup quarterback. It always is, it always will be. Um, and especially it's a rookie with a lot of potential. So I understand the optimism and the, the excitement for wanting to see Paxton Lynch, um, but he is not ready. Um, and there's not really another way to say it. And people say, oh, well, Trevor's not ready either. He's more ready at this point than Paxton is, whatever that is. Um, and the coaches, and from what I saw in training camp, um, and I'm not sure there's been that big of a jump from you know training camp and preseason to now that Trevor gives them the best chance to win, um, and I think that's pretty clear. Um, but as far as Paxton, I think it's going to open up an interesting debate um, next off season and, and for the beyond. Who's yeah. the franchise quarterback, and we're expecting that. But um, I think the thing that Kubiak said on, on Tuesday that was interesting is that he has amazing talent. He makes a lot of plays, which is what intrigues fans, was what intrigued them to draft him in the first round. But the inconsistency, the inconsistency in making reads, the inconsistency in knowing defenses, the inconsistency in controlling the offense, these are things that you learn through reps from the game. And that's things that you can't play around with as a quarterback. You can't have a quarterback that's kind of shaky on knowing what the defense is doing or knowing his progressions. or knowing. And that's no knock on Paxson. That's a lot of rookies. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, Jared Goff has been sitting on the bench in all season. and He's the number one overall pick, and he's making his first start this weekend yeah. um, sort of out of, you know, Jeff Fisher against Jeff Fisher's will, you know, so to speak. Because they have Case Keenum, who's probably, you know, played – a lot worse than Trevor Simeon has this year and their worst team yeah. and they're just now letting their first overall pick play. Yeah, you have to take the, you have to take it situationally. Right now, immediate like today, immediately mm-hmm. today, Trevor Simeon is a better quarterback. Does that mean he'll his career will be better than Pax Lynch? No. Today he's a better quarterback. Yeah. Um, the future remains to be remains to be seen. If the Broncos were three and seven, yeah. this would be a legitimate conversation. Because mm-hmm. at that point you're playing for the future. Why not let Paxton Lynch play and learn? I mean, that's a, a may, maybe you agree with that. Maybe you don't. Right. Maybe the Broncos agree with that. Maybe they don't. But they're not three and seven. Yeah. They're seven and three. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 have a legitimate possibility to make a run through the playoffs. So why would you be playing for the future if you can play for? They're playing for now. They yeah. they're a legitimate football team in the AFC. So the fact that Trevor Simeon on a Tuesday whatever. 
12, 13 days before they – 12, 11, whatever. 11 yeah. days before they play their next game. Right. Didn't take any snaps. No big deal. Yeah, no, I, I think – and I think it more than anything is the shoulder. Um, yeah. And he's a tough guy. He, the one thing that may hurt him in his overall career is he's a smaller guy. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a good guy that takes a lot of hits, but he might not have the body mass to absorb all of those hits. But he's taking uh, – a heck of a lot of shots this season. Yeah. He took one last week from Nick Fairley on a sack that just made me cringe. Yeah. Where he just got Nick Fairley's a big boy, yeah. and he he just smothered him. So <laughs> that 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 left shoulder is not in in, in ideal shape. So yeah. I talked to him this week, and he said he's going to be doing a lot of sitting on the couch back in uh, the Chicago area, yeah. and you know uh, not doing much. He joked on Tuesday that he's not going to be doing much bench pressing yeah. uh, this yeah. week on that shoulder. So more than anything, I think that's get him healthy. Um, and and one other note on before we move on on just the Trevor versus Paxton deal, the one thing that that kind of I don't know fans understand that I get a lot is that people say you can't do worse than Trevor. That's the most common thing I hear. Why not go to Paxton? You can't do worse than what Trevor. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can. You can do a lot worse. I don't. I don't think people understand the value of just being a, a so to speak, average quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. You could have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. You could have uh, whoever Cleveland throws out at quarterback yeah. every week. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot worse. Trevor Simeon is not the bottom of the quarterbacks in the NFL. So I think there's value, and I think there's a fact that Trevor Simeon is a game manager, and he knows Simeon's. I mean, uh, Kubiak's system, and he puts them in positions um, that that. Paxton Lynch probably wouldn't be able to do it this time. And don't discount those late field goal drives that he had against the Saints that that, that really good th- got them in position to win. I think the one, yeah. no- the one last note I'll, I would say about the Trevor Paxton thing is that Paxton clearly has a higher uh, ceiling, but he also has a higher floor. And when you're a Super Bowl contender – you, you that that much flux yeah. is dangerous. Yeah. You would rather have a guy who you know what he's going to give you. That's he right. may not have as high of a ceiling as Paxton, right. but he has a higher floor. Right. So you know at his worst is going to be better than what Paxton's worst yeah. is. Right, right. And, uh, you know, Nikki Javala is in another room right now arguing with Mark Kisla <laughs> about if the Broncos uh, – offense let's not linger on this but if the Broncos offense is considerably worse than it is was last year with Peyton Manning and his noodle arm it's not it's not especially better yeah but it's certainly not worse right and they won a Super Bowl so I mean it's certainly feasible do you do they want more out of their quarterback do they wish they had Tom Brady sure probably but that's not happening so let's I mean forget it um the other bit of news that came out this week we saw Tyson Rilo play play kind of more than we expected against the Saints in New Orleans. And then Gary Kubiak uh, solidified that he's been very pleased with Tyson Brylow and that he will continue to get more snaps, presumably at right tackle. Not presumably. He said right tackle, mm-hmm. I think, right? He specifically mentioned, yeah. which means fewer snaps for D- Donald Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, are we starting to see – are we seeing a, a change a, a, – real sort of change here on the line? Yeah, no, that'll be interesting. I wrote about this on Tuesday, just about that whole dynamic. Uh, Donald Stevenson was supposed to be a steady, consistent right tackle for them. Mm-hmm. They signed him to a three-year, $14 million contract this offseason, which isn't big money, but that's, you know, we expect you to be a decent starting right tackle money, and he simply hasn't be- been that. He yeah. got ran over, ran by, and embarrassed by Cameron Jordan all game against the Saints. Yeah. Probably was his worst game of the season. W- and- worse than Oakland, was it? Yes. 
Oh, yes. wow. Uh, um, just the sacks and the numbers from Cameron Jordan weren't there, but he was just he was getting beat up. Interesting. And it really mm-hmm. affected the whole right side of the Broncos' offensive line. Uh, right guard Michael Schofield isn't you know a, a star at that position yeah. in any stretch of the imagine. So when you have a struggling link like that, it became real apparent apparent that the Broncos need to go uh, to tie and, and that's sort of a. a uh, a statement in itself that a guy like Tyson Braylor, who had previously been bitched at right tackle for right. struggling, um, gets into the game for a struggling Donald Stevenson. That it just kind of shows the flux of that offensive line. So neither one appears to be a great option now, but I think that is going to be a battle going forward. Kubiak said that Ty is going to play, and he's going to play a lot. Yeah. Um, and he's a guy who was their second-round pick last season, so he's a guy who they want to see succeed, and he may yeah. get more chances than a guy like Stevenson, who's a veteran and already really kind of established himself and may not have as high of a potential as a Sombrero. So that'll be something to watch when they come back to the bye. Do they make the switch? And if they do, what does that mean for Stevenson? Does he go straight to the bench, or does he move to right guard or left guard? That could create some some shifts, but they know they need to get this line better because six sacks against a a bad Saints pass rush is uh, pretty embarrassing. Yeah, a couple of things are working in the the Sombrero changeover possibly a like you mentioned second round draft pick mm. so they have a lot invested in him they, you, teams do not just throw away draft picks mm. like they'll give them every opportunity to prove themselves right um and and also uh he's he's finally it seems maybe almost fully recovered from his elbow injury in the early in the year which really did hamper him let's be fair mm-hmm. like you can't it's very it's very difficult to extend your arms and blocks when you can't bend your elbow yeah. i mean and he was wearing a brace for the longest time it was really i'm sure it was really difficult for him um i know it was he he said as much um or th- or they said as much on his behalf but anyway um i would make a suggestion though if i i, I they do not listen to my suggestions <laughs> as they should they should not but um I would play Donald Stevenson against the Chiefs. He's amped for that game. He's been talking about he's been talking about facing the Chiefs all season. Right. Um, they let him walk. They did not think very much of him, Kansas City. Yeah. Um, I think he would is ready to be very up for that game. Mm. And that's the game that, that, that's up next for the Broncos coming off the bye week is a Sunday night game. Right. I, I, I would I, I would think it would be a mistake to sit him. Too much in that game, but no, I think that, I think that's a fair fair assessment. You know, guys always get amped up for their for their former team. It's you know a, a show me game, so to right. speak. You know, like show show you guys you were wrong. Right. Um, and he, I've talked to him as well, and he's mentioned you know Kansas City, and and obviously uh, they didn't want him, or they didn't want him as to nip more than Denver wanted him. Right. So that that will get him geared up. Um, I'm not. Sold on them going full-fledged Sembrello yet. Yeah. Uh, Kubiak played him up a lot on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So it's making it seem like, you know, if something's not changing this week, it's changing soon. Yeah. Um, so maybe it was a signal for Donald Stevenson that we're putting you on alert. Like yeah. this, you're, you're, very, you're on a very tight rope. you got a very tight string. Um, but let's be fair, that whole line is struggling. So yeah. that could be anybody. You just don't have enough bodies. You could say that. Max Garcia's on a, a tightrope. You could yeah. say that Schofield's on a tightrope, but Stevenson has got the most tension because he struggled in two straight games right. against Khalil Mack in Oakland and then against Cameron Jordan and the Saints. So, um, 
Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how how that whole offensive line shakeup happens. Let, let's we'll we'll probably stumble back on this topic here in a second, but um, let's let's look back at the first ten games. They're seven and three. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in a pretty good position. They're technically in third place in the AFC West, but they're in pretty good position. Seven and three after ten games. Looking looking at the season coming in, I think they take that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think. Before the season started, I said they were going to be ten and six. That was kind of my prediction, and they're looking like they're they'll at least be that, maybe better. Um, so I, I think they take that. They went twelve and four last year and got the one seed. It may be tough for them to get the one seed again this year because of the talent in the AFC West and the Patriots being Patriot like. Um, but they seem like they're pretty solid for a playoff positioning. Um, obviously, they can't have a late season slip, but um, first year quarterback. Um, you know, lost their starting running back and key of their offense, and they're still in position to make a uh, starting run. Um, that's I think they would take that if you told them that at the beginning of the year. Yeah, my prediction was twelve and four. I'm I am going to be wildly wrong. <laughs> they're not <laughs> going to be that wrong. They're not going to lose out by any means. Yeah, but what I, I think they're I, right. think I think they're probably looking at maybe a ten and six, eleven and five, eleven and five season. You might be in between. Yeah, I don't know. I would I, at this point I would put more money on your prediction than mine. But that's all right. <laughs> um, let's go. Offensive MVP. No, wait. Let's hold off on that. Let's okay. get to the easy one first. Uh-huh. I think it's easy. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Defensive MVP. Because uh-huh. I almost talked myself out of this. Uh-huh. Um, to me, because well, here let me, I'll just back into it. A case can be made for TJ Ward. Uh-huh. He's kicking ass this season. Mm-hmm. Um, let's be honest. But the defensive MVP is Von Miller. He. His mere presence alone completely changes the course of games. Even if he comes out of a game without a sack, it, he still influences the game and, and how a quarterback plays immensely. I, I, think it, I think it's obvious. I think it has to be Von Miller, unless you would like to make an argument. Otherwise. I'll be devil's advocate here <laughs> um, because it's hard to root against Von Miller in, in his pass for us. I do think that he's a, a strong candidate, and he may be the guy. He actually probably could get votes for defensive yeah. overall MVP. But I'll go with Aqib Tlaib yeah. as defensive MVP um, be, for what he's done on the field and what for what they've looked like yeah. without him on the field. Um, he's a playmaker. Say what you want about him off the field and what he gets into, um, but three interceptions this season still leads the team, although he's missed three games. Um, I think Darian Stewart actually tied him with his two picks last game. But um, he he sh- completely shuts down receivers. Yeah. And when him and Chris are both on the field, opponents really can't throw on them. Um, and I think we've saw that, seen this in the last three weeks while he's out. Opponents have thrown for almost 100 more passing yards with a keep wow. to leave not in the game. And not all of that is directly on him. Some of that is offenses, you know, having an effect otherwise. But 100 more yards yeah. without a cornerback really shows their presence in there. Bradley Roby's been picked on at least these last couple of games a lot. Um, and they really got into the depth of, of seeing Lorenzo Doss, who's been inactive most yeah. of the season, play. Torian Nixon had to get called up. So I think his presence really um, is solidified, and, and you really see what the team is with him on the field as his play, his energy, and then what they look like without him out there. Yeah, no, you you almost have me convinced. <laughs> I, the, the only reason I would say otherwise is because he has missed two games. You know, was it two games? Three I think games. it's three. Three, three, three. now three games. Yeah. And, you know, three out of ten, that's a third of the season. So, but yeah. 
when you when you when you look at the difference, and you're very you're very correct. When you look at the difference between when he was there and when he was not, you see somebody who is who is literally that valuable to a right. team. Not not like you know, it's not a best. I didn't ask you who had the best stats or who had the whatever. Right. Um, if you know he sometimes you show your value when you're not <laughs> when you're not there, right. and that's been the case for Keith because Bradley Roby hasn't played that bad. Right. Um, just the last two games. I mean, he, he came off defensive player of the week, and then he yeah. had two really rough games. But overall, if you kind of jive them together, he's had a, a decent decent year. Yeah. But, yeah, no, they, they most certainly miss Aqib Tlaib. Um, I'll stay with Von Miller and his nine-and-a-half sacks. But I, th- I think that's I, a very good choice. Yeah, there. but I, yeah, I gotta be, it's I an easy choice. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we don't want to – I don't, I don't want to agree with you on no, all these. So. No, that's right, because we, we might about to we might be about to veer off offensive MVP. Um, it's a little more. It's a little. It's a little difficult. <laughs> Do we got to choose one. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first so that I can figure out if I want to agree or not because I don't. I don't know if I even have an answer right now. I actually I think I do. But go ahead. Okay. Um, man, this offense hasn't been great, but I think if I had to choose an offensive MVP, um, I go with Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I think his energy level, what he's brought to the team after getting a new contract, um, has been superb. He's never been the biggest guy. Um, small, five ten guy, skinny. Um, but he always makes you know big plays, the tough catches across the field, um, and he brings a spark to that offense. Yeah. He's the the vocal and emotional spark to that offense. And uh, him and DT, when they're both at their best, are really hard to beat. We saw DT coming off his best game against the Saints, uh, but Emmanuel's been a little bit more consistent. Um, and really, when they've been able to play, it's been Emmanuel making those big catches, particularly on third downs uh, and whatnot. So I think Emmanuel would be my choice. I and I, I was joking, but that's who I was going to say. Yeah. Um, you're right. We shouldn't be so agree agreeable, but really, it, I think it's very clearly Emmanuel Sanders. They're they're receiving yards and receptions this season are very top heavy. They were much more balanced last season. Yeah. Um, they were they were getting some tight ends more involved last year, um, but this year it's Emmanuel and Demaris very clearly getting a bulk of the receptions and receiving yards. Yeah. And Demaris yeah. Thomas, like he wasn't struggling exactly. But he was kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wrote about it this week. He broke out in that yeah. New Orleans game, um, and he might overtake Emmanuel Sanders as our offensive MVP by the end of the year. Right. But at this point, Emmanuel Sanders is definitely. The, the best player on on their offense. Yeah, yeah, and I think one thing, I was doing research for that DT story on Monday, and um, the DT and Emmanuel are still the only receiving duo in the NFL that are both in the top 16 in receiving yards. <laughs> yeah. And nobody would have thought of it as much as we complain about their offense and how much they are, but they still are maybe the best duo of receivers in the league, yeah. um, even through their, you know, even through the offensive struggles. So uh, Trevor talked about it on Tuesday, just giving them opportunities to make plays. Yeah. They're both on track for, their, you know, the third straight 1,000-yard season together, um, which is great for a pair of receivers. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll see a lot more of Trevor giving them chances to make plays in the second half or last six games of the season yeah really they they cover the you know in the in the if you think about it like a you know a receiver and a quarterback kind of have to meet each other in a game they're covering more distance to help trevor simeon essentially um you know get through this year than than vice versa they are really helping him out in other words um let's go with rookie of the year okay because this one's not as easy uh you go first on this one. Um, wait, I had an answer. Now I've now I'm now I'm 
uh, hedging on it. Uh, no, well, <laughs> well, let's talk through it here. Um, the Saints game might have totally ruined this quite or ruined the answer uh-huh. um, because we saw Will <laughs> Will Parks uh-huh. uh, win the game for them. Um, will help win the game yeah. with Justin Simmons. They might cancel each other out a little bit. Andy Janovich has played very well mm-hmm. as a fullback. He's really helped them um, help them kind of move toward the kind of offense that they want, even if, even if at times they've struggled to. And, mm-hmm. and he broke his hand, so he's, he's been a little bit limited. Um, who else are we looking at? Paxton Lynch is not yeah. – uh, would not factor in. Right. Gostas, um, Gostas, no, much. yeah, uh, Devonte Booker, um, Riley Dixon. Uh, I think those are, are the main rookies, right? Yeah, yeah. and Connor McGovern, who's and been Connor scratch McGovern. all season, right? There. So I, you snuck it in there. Uh-huh. I mean, I think that even, even though he he became the number one by default uh-huh. and has only recently taken a bulk of carries, I think it really has to be Devonte Booker. Mm-hmm. Um, he ran really hard against the Saints. Yeah. I mean, we've seen him run really hard. It's not it's not something new, um, but he's certainly gotten a bigger opportunity lately after C.J. Anderson was injured. I I think it really very much has to be Devontae Booker. He's saving them right now in yeah. their running game. Yeah, no, I mean, Capri, Capri's played well too, but yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. I tried to sneak it in there so I can <laughs> <laughs> go a different way, but yeah, I think it's Booker. Um, he, I mean, obviously these last few games as a starter. Um, the yard per carry numbers and the total yards haven't been great. Um, but I think I attribute that more to the offensive line. I heard all season about complaints about CJ. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. He's not. He got overpaid. Um, and I was trying to tell people that it was mostly the offensive line. Yeah. And they're like, let's see Booker because he's showing more in the, in, in the time that he's in there. And he was. He was really giving them a spark. But now that Booker's in, he's sort of having a lot of CJ-type games and yeah. a little bit worse in a sense. So I think that kind of shows you that their top two back, CJ, who's who played who's played really well at times, and then Devontae, who's another talented rookie, mm-hmm. both have had struggles behind this offensive line. So I, I think Booker's still the MVP because he has really uh, he, taken taken well to his role, and if they didn't have him, they'd be in really dire states. Yeah. Um, straights. Um, but I, I do think that that's a position where um, – Fans really undervalue uh, the contributions from those players because the numbers aren't really there, and that doesn't necessarily all fall on them. Yeah, no, right. Um, and and you know, when you uh, not to discount Will Parks and Justin Simmons, who made a, I mean, yeah. they they made a very yeah. large rookie splash, yeah. but. Uh, essentially one play in one game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not to discount it anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's tough because both guys are reserves yeah. behind a really good defensive back. Will Parks has been really impressive. I think he'd probably be my second choice yeah. if I had it, not only because of that play, but because he's really been that third safety yeah. um, replacing David Bruton. Him and Simmons have split it, but he's received the majority of them. And I think that you know he will be an eventual starter. Uh, he and Justin Simmons, or and or eventual starter. Darian Stewart's contract is running up after 16, yeah. and he may have priced himself out of the Broncos' uh, price range, which I wrote on Sunday. And, yeah. and T.J. Ward, uh, his contract's up in 2017, and he'll be, I think, closing on 31. So yeah. that question comes soon. So you might be looking at your future pair of safeties, yeah. and it's good to see them splashing. Uh, but yeah, for this season right now, it's got to be Booker. Yeah. Uh, most improved, 
I, I have a I have a weird one here, right. but but I want to hear from you first because I, I doubt you say it. Okay, go ahead because I, I I'm not even I'm not even. Yeah, let me let me well, um, because we'll, we'll here let let's talk it through here real fast uh-huh. before I give you my answer. Okay, it's hard to say that anybody is especially improved on defense because they were so good last year, right. And they're so good this year, right. Um, and there's no the new additions. Uh, you know the new additions sort of came from from other places. Jared Crick came from Houston. Um, so it's tough to say that he necessarily improved this mm-hmm. year. Um, although, you know, well, th- there's a there's a possibility on the defense. I won't mention it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb mm-hmm. and say I'm hedging right now because I don't know if I really want to admit this. I'm going to say Michael Schofield. Okay. Because okay, it was he took so much heat last year. Like there, were, it, if you had just if you had just sort of <laughs> <laughs> read about him, um, especially kind of like two-thirds of the way through the season, you would have thought he was going to be out of the league mm-hmm. entirely mm-hmm. before this season began. He started to improve later in the year last year, but he, he's not been horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really hasn't. Yeah, no. he, he got moved. He, you know, he's, he's playing at right guard, so he's a, he's a little bit more hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, and the offensive line is by no means great. Right. Um, but he hasn't, he hasn't been completely blown up which happened to him last year. I think he's become much more solid and much more consistent. Um, I'm not saying he's, he's not a pro bowler. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. but uh, as, as far as improvement, I'm, I'm going to say Michael Schofield. No, I think that's a good choice. I, I didn't even think about that. I wrote a story about Schofield last month or maybe September just about his uh, versatility and just the way that he's rebounding from last yeah. season. And last season was terrible, but I think it's a good pick because, one, there's a lot of games where it goes and you don't hear Schofield's name. Yeah, right. And that's probably the <laughs> yeah. best thing for offensive linemen, like yeah. referees. Yeah. You don't hear offensive linemen's name, that probably means you're not getting beat by anybody. Right, right. Um, and I think he's actually had a, a, a decent season. I could argue that he's been their second best offensive lineman behind Matt Paradis, which is not saying much with a bad offensive line. But, you know, I think that's still something, something to uh, play. So I think that's a good choice. For me, I think I'm going to go and – the first, I think I'm going to kind of cap out and go co-improved um, okay, players. Yeah. Um, but I think my first, my second half of my uh, choice will upset some some people. But first half, um, I think you're going to go with Derek Wolf. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I think people were like, you know, he's already good. Yeah. Um, no. But I, I think he's taking his game to a dust, the next level. Yeah. Um, if people don't remember about Derek Wolf, Derek Wolf has always been really good against the run. Yeah. He's been a really good run stuffer. That's yeah. been his MO even, you know, since a rookie. But he's really taken his pass rush to a next level. Yeah. Um, and he started to show it, show it at the end of last season um, where I think he had about six or seven games where he had at least a half sack in each game. But he's been doing it for the whole season this year. Yeah. He's second on the team with four and a half sacks, um, even though he's missed – I think he's he he he, um, he hurt that elbow and missed the last game. Mm-hmm. So he missed a game, uh, and he may miss uh, against KC. They're trying to get him back, but we'll see. Um, but he's been a monster. He's yeah. been a, he's the best player on that defensive line, and at times he looks like the best player on that defense. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, and it, it, teams have to double team him. He's a he's a beast. Um, no matter how many kids of Philip Rivers he's eating, um, <laughs> he's he's really just he destroys. Um, he destroys offensive lines at times. So I think he's been the most improved player, um, and I think he's a really valuable player for the defense. Other side of it, I'm going to go with Trevor Simeon. Yeah. Um, he, simply no, simply right, because yeah. you look yeah. at where he came from. 
Um, yeah. He was a third-string quarterback last <laughs> season, um, sitting behind Peyton Manning and Brock yeah. Osweiler, who each didn't have great seasons themselves. But seventh-round pick, I uh, spent most of the year recovering from a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, he's just a guy that you thought that was going to be a third-round, you know, third-string quarterback, maybe a career backup if he got to that level. He beat out Zach Dysart uh, for the job, so there wasn't really much hope. And when he came in, it, he was kind of like a joke, you know, uh, of the quarterback. It was like Mark Sanchez, Paxton Lynch, and way down the pole, right, pole right. Trevor Simeon, everything goes wrong. Yeah. And he ended up beating both of those guys out for the job. Uh, and he's led a 7-3 team. You know, regardless of what you say about his play, he's thrown too many interceptions. He hasn't made the offense look good. It takes you got to have something to win seven seven out of ten games as a quarterback. He, he kept he's kept them together. Yeah, really, yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't know how good he was last year. Yeah. but that's the point. Yeah. he was a nobody. Right, he was a nobody. Like literally, and now he's starting for a seven and three team. Um, at the most important position on the team. Yeah, no, that's you know, yeah, that's a that's that's a good one. His his if you just chart out his leap because he was literally nowhere. Yeah, basically nowhere. Yeah, um, his leap has been enormous. Um, maybe, maybe biggest disappointment. Um, I'm I'm gonna go less player here and more uh, Broncos as a whole. Um, I think I'm disappointed in in and we talked about it earlier and just their offensive line. Yeah. Um, and and just the the push they've been able to get up front and contribute into that run game. Yeah. They came into the offseason where their number one goal to improve the offensive line. They spent money on Kung and Stevenson hoping to uh, get those bookend tackles really uh, solidified. Matt Paradis was supposed to be the anchor at the center position. And he's been pretty solid. And then they hope that Max Garcia would be more consistent than he has been at the guard position. And that they were hopeful that Sam Brelo would be the other right guard and ended up being Michael Schofield. But it just hasn't produced. They're one of the worst offensive lines in the league again, yeah. just like they were last season. And they won a Super Bowl with their offensive line. Uh, but you think that you put all these resources in it, you put draft picks in it, you put money in it. And it still is is very in a Achilles heel, and you have to say that it's going to be the number one need again all next off season. Yeah. And you know that that's something that that's really puzzling. I thought they were going to be better. I didn't think they were going to be elite, but I think they were. I thought they were going to prove from from mediocre bad to to at least slightly above average. And they haven't made that jump, and that's been a little disappointing for me. Yeah, uh, you got to the root of the problem. I would say more generally, the run game has been. The biggest disappointment, and it's really a large. It's really largely on the offensive line. We we hear them talk. We hear Kubiak talk, Trevor Simeon talk, even we even hear C.J. Anderson talk um, this season that a lot of the struggles are on them, taking blame and whatnot. And that's nice and all because they do contribute. Yeah, but it's not on them. Yeah, it's not. It's certainly not a majority on them. Yeah. Um. The the offensive line has not been very good. Let me ask you this though. Um. Because very clearly the Cowboys have the best offensive line in the league. And I I don't even know who's number two. Oakland? I'd I'd say Oakland. Yeah. And I think that shows the value of an offensive line because these are two teams. I think the Cowboys went 4-12 last season. Um, I think the Raiders definitely had a losing record, maybe 5-11, 6-10. And they really focused on fixing that offensive line. And now they're – 
two of the best teams. The Cowboys probably the best team in the NFC, yeah. um, along with Seattle and Oakland's leading the AFC West. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, challenging for being one of the best teams in the AFC. So I think that shows the, the difference between having a, 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 a bad offensive line and having a, a really good one and what it can overcome. Because yeah. those aren't the most talented two teams. They just have the best offensive line. Yeah, right. And even more than even maybe even more than the Raiders, the the Broncos really need to run the ball. They have mm-hmm. they have a better quarterback in Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, but man, they ran for 218 yards against the Broncos. That's that'll get it done down the stretch. But but, but give me some perspective because we were kind of talking about this earlier um, at the Valley. Uh, to me, the, it's like basically the Cowboys and the Raiders, and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. Are they really? Are the Broncos really one of the worst offensive lines? Or I mean, how? I, I would say. I'll be honest. I haven't seen every offensive yeah, line play, I, so I, I, I can't give a full fledged. But I do think they're on the back end of offensive yeah, lines. I, um, I would say they have really struggled. Um, and you look at just everything as a whole, whether it's protecting Simeon, whether it's running the ball. They have been uh, an extreme disappointment. I'd probably say they're one of the worst ten, at least in the league. Yeah. And I may be able to trim that if I watch more to, you know, five. But, yeah. you know, um, I, I think they that off, the problem with offensive lines, and um, this is another core issue for another podcast, <laughs> <Yeah>. but um, <laughs> the development has changed. Yeah. Um, and, the, and we talk about it in passing a lot, but the transition between – College offense alignments to pro offense alignments may be the biggest transition in all of professional football, yeah. even bigger than quarterback. Um, the spread systems are ruining offense alignment yeah. uh, across you know the league. So you get offense alignment like Connor McGovern, who was strong, uh, uh, all American type player in college, and he can't play his first year. Yeah. And with the Broncos because he's just not ready. Yeah. He has to learn the system. He has to play against players that are, are really, you know, at a different level. Yeah. Um, and and that really hinders you from being able to make that jump from year one to year two because you can't just draft and plug a player. You can't do that anymore. You know, you can't just say we're going to draft a guy in the first or second round and count on him to be our starting left tackle. It doesn't work. It is hard to do that with Ty Sambrello last season and ultimately got hurt. And now this season he hasn't really established himself as even a starter on any position. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really high draft pick. So, you know, it, that's really hurting. Um, so you have to really rely on, you know, getting gold on those draft picks, those early draft picks, and then spending money on the best players in the league yeah. um, at their positions. And that's typically not been the case for offensive line. You've been able to draft and plug, and that's really shifted. So I think that's uh, a good portion of the issues. Yeah. No, yeah, and we will tackle this more because it's serious. It's not even just a Broncos problem. It's, yeah. a, it's an FL problem, and it's, it's very, very much hurting the Broncos right now. Um, Go, so six games remaining, three in the AFC West for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Two of those are at home. Right. That's that's ideal for them. Uh, they Their final two games of the year, though, at Kansas City, at home against the Raiders, uh, it might come down to that. What right now, with six games left in their schedule? Six games? Five games? 11, six, 12? Six. Oh, six, games, six games remaining, yes. Um they play the they play their so they, they, they play the Chiefs twice, the Raiders once, mm-hmm. they play Jacksonville, Tennessee, and New England. It's not it's not a pushover schedule the rest of the way by any means. Uh, what is the what is the thing standing in the way of the Broncos to a Super Bowl run? Um 
I, I think one the 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 competition in their division. Yeah. Um. Simply put, and this may this may hurt some Broncos fans' feelings. The Raiders look like the better team. Yeah. A week ago, it didn't look like the Broncos were unprepared. It didn't look like they did anything schematically. It looked like the Raiders were the better team. Yeah. And that's scary because the better team usually wins. Um, Kansas City has been a really ch- challenging, you know, team for them. They've had the better of them as far as division, but they usually end up splitting uh, those games when it comes down to it. They have two with Kansas City down the stretch, and then they have that ever-looming Patriots matchup, um, and the Patriots are looking strong. Um, So you could look at a situation where even if they have a good run, they may end up losing three, going three and three and losing those games. You could say they went 10-6 and and they played pretty solid. Um, And that's looking at – Ten and six likely has you on the road as a wild card. Yeah, I don't think ten and six wins the AFC West this year. Yeah. I think you're going to have to go eleven and five or twelve and four to win the AFC West. So they might find themselves in a position where they have to start the start the playoffs on the road, mm-hmm. and then they have to go and win multiple road games, yeah. um, at least three road games to get to the Super Bowl. Um, so that could be their biggest challenge, just the fact that they're, you know, the talent around them, and then ultimately, you know, when it comes down to playoff football. Um, when you get into December and the weather gets bad, it starts with the trenches. Yeah. Um, and not only offensive line, which we've talked about extensively in this podcast, the defensive line um, and their ability to stop the run. They had a, a, a solid effort against the Saints, but they've been one of the worst run-stopping teams in the league. And that can't continue to be a problem if they hope to get back to the Super Bowl. So I think the competition in the AFC and their play in the trenches would be the two biggest things to stop them from getting there. Well, l- let me ask you this, because this is a Raiders question as well as a Broncos question. Um, sometimes I hate NFL adages. They're mm-hmm. cliches yeah. and whatever, but sometimes they're very true. Um, you win down the stretch and in the playoffs with defense, mm-hmm. period. And also you have to be able to run the ball. Yeah. I mean, people say this, and sometimes I roll my eyes, but it's tr- it, we always see it play yeah. out like that. Um, that doesn't seem to be – I mean, the Raiders can run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have an especially good defense, right. um, and they like to sling it too. It's it's not they're not a they're not a they, they can run the ball, but they're not like a pounding run r- rushing attack necessarily. Right. Uh, could could that hurt them down the stretch? And the the Broncos also know these adages. They we saw it last year play out. They won with defense, um, and and when they needed to, they were able generally speaking able to run the ball. On um, their number, their overall numbers weren't were fantastic, but. Right. Um, are they in a better position, even if they're not necessarily a better team right now? I, I think experience will be a big yeah. strength for the Broncos. Um, a team that is consistently in the playoffs, a team that just won the Super Bowl, they're, they're tested. They have a lot of the same players, particularly on defense, and they have a defense that finds a way mm-hmm. um, regardless. That's one thing that made me skeptical going into the Oakland game about Oakland, and you know they kind of they kind of showed me wrong. But there's still a lingering question, and does the youth of Oakland and the inexperience catch up to them? Mm-hmm. They haven't been to the playoffs since the early 2000s. I think it's 2001, the last time they've been to the playoffs. That's over 15 years. Nobody on their roster has was has been to the playoffs as a Raider. Yeah. Um, so does that catch up to them, whether at the end of the season, that stretch run, or early in the playoffs? Does it kind of say, you know, we're not that team yet. Maybe yeah. next year we can use our experience, but – 
a lot of teams, those new age teams that come up, they're not ready yet. So I'm still eager to see if the Raiders are truly ready uh, to really take the throne of the AFC West. And that will be the, the biggest challenge, I think, for the Broncos. Because if the Raiders are ready, it's going to be really tough for them to overtake them. But if they're not ready yet, they can take advantage yeah. of that and, and really reclaim a division that they've won five straight times. Yeah, and we shouldn't discount Kansas City either because yeah. they're, they're a very good football team. I would answer the question that the biggest thing standing in the Broncos' way right now is the run game. They have to be able to run the ball pure. Yeah. They, they have to. But this is obvious. We've been saying it all year long. Um, they they ran well against the Saints, and they ran early. Yeah, six ru- six rushing plays and six passing plays in their first twelve plays, which is exactly ideal for them. Um, if if the balance got o- a little bit out of whack, um, although it was pretty close to fifty fifty, the balance got a little bit out of whack over the course of the game. It's because they ran eighty one plays. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So I, I heard I, I've heard people say that. Trevor Simeon threw too many passes against New Orleans. Well, they ran 81 plays. Yeah. He, like, he, of course, he threw more passes than they like because they ran more plays than they were expecting, but that's all right. And my, and my favorite stat from these last couple of weeks is they followed up their their worst time possession game against the, the Raiders. They had the ball for only 18 minutes and 32 yeah. seconds. They followed up with their best time possession right. game against the Saints with uh, nearly 40 minutes of possession. I think it was a 39 and a half minutes, which is pretty impressive. Um, so that really shows you just the value of holding on to the ball and yeah. controlling the pace of the game. The Saints were a high-tempo, high-ball-control you know, ball control offense, and they really made them play their game. And I think that's the key down the stretch, making them play your game. And that's, you know, getting first downs, converting third downs, which they had converted for 58% against the Saints, and really establishing that, hey, we're not going to, you know, succumb to your type of football. Yeah. Broncos have a, have a, have, have, yeah, have a, not had, have a very late bye week mm-hmm. this season. It's not ideal. It puts them in a, it puts them in a real spot um, to get to the bye week. But – on the flip side, mm-hmm. maybe they end up being fresher than the teams they're playing down the stretch. Um, if they can take advantage of the bye week to get healthy, they need a Keebsley back. Mm-hmm. They need Derek Wolf back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need Trevor Simeon to not feel like he just got steamrolled, which he did yeah. <laughs> often yeah. in the first 10 games. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, definitely a very difficult, very crucial, obviously, final six games for the Broncos. They come back against uh, Kansas City uh, a week from this Sunday. Flex game. It's going to be a night game, Yeah. Uh, which is fun because it's national TV. Mm-hmm. I would say it's not very fun because our deadlines suck. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the deadline, they're not – NFL doesn't really care <laughs> about care. our deadlines. They do not care one <laughs> bit about us. But we'll talk uh, more about what the Broncos um, have going forward when they return to the Valley uh, next week. Uh, This has been the First in Orange podcast at the Denver Post. Thanks for listening.